Praise the Lord. Can I get a Bible? Yes. All right. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. How y'all feeling today? Good. Amen. Okay, that didn't, that kind of sounded a little weak, but I mean, you, yeah, y'all all right. Y'all right. How you feeling today? Good? All right, cool. You know, we used to say elevate. Y'all say what, what? Elevate? Elevate? All right, let me probably have to get TJ up here. <laughs> All right, let's do elevate. 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 Okay, all right, all right, okay, okay. That's what's up. Praise God. So, my name is Daryl. I'm an elder here at Metro Praise, and I will be bringing the word to you today. Um, we are going over the Gospel of Mark, and I want to jump right into it. I was going to have this whole, uh, like I normally do, which is, what do you believe? This whole section. But today, I really want to just jump into the word. Um, and uh, I'll probably pass out some of these goodies as we go along. So without further ado, um, let's pray. <clears throat> and then we will open our Bibles. God, we give you all the glory and honor. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for today. For you have made today, God. It is good and we'll rejoice and be glad in it. God, we thank you that you've given us a mind uh, to think, to be able to logic things and reason situations in our lives, God. God, I pray that the word today, God, we can hear it, God, and that we can just digest it in, in our spirit, God, so that we can be able to apply it in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. All right, so let's open our Bibles to the gospel of Mark. I wind up having to grab my notes here. Today, we're going to get on, uh, we are going to start with a summary of what we had gone through already in the Gospel of Mark. So, guys, let's just open up your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark. Let's just run, go right to it. How many people know who wrote the Gospel of Mark? Who knows who wrote the Gospel of Mark? There you go. Mark. Amen. All right. Everybody else know that? Mark wrote the Gospel of Mark. You know what his name was, though? It wasn't just Mark. Who knows what his name was? Who? John what? Come on, bro. That's right. Amen. So his name was John Mark. All right? So just want you to just a little, <clears throat> little tidbit. So let's go. Gospel of Mark. So here's what we're going to do. I want to go over a little synopsis of, or summary, rather, of what we had gone through. And if you want to just put that up there, and I'll just go over it very briefly. Essentially, we're going over the Gospel of Mark. We went over what that means, which is uh, rather what he wrote about. And I split that up into three sections. You kind of see it here, but that's okay. I split that up into three sections. The first section was King and Kingdom. Right. The second section was Jesus's death and resurrection. And then the third section today will be the suffering servant, death and resurrection and the Great Commission. Uh, it sounds like a lot, but I'm actually going to go through it rather quickly. The king and kingdom. So I really want to just touch on this briefly um, and kind of get go over what we have done. Thank you. Go over what we've what we've already gone through. 
So what we've gone through is essentially Jesus steps on the scene, right? If you go to Mark chapter 1, verse 1, you guys don't have to do that, but if you could fix that, it'd be great. Mark, remember, he cut straight to the chase, right? The very first verse, what does he say? He says, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah. He says, the Son of God. All right, so let me start there. Mark cut straight to the chase. He's not wasting no time. He's saying, Jesus, this, everything you're going to read in this book, in this writing, is going to be about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Okay? So who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Anybody? Okay, some people didn't raise their hand. Okay. So hopefully by the end of tonight, you will have changed your heart. So Jesus being the very son of God, he's being the Messiah, he steps on the scene, right, and then he starts to preach. Actually, John the Baptist makes the way for him. He gets baptized, and he starts to preach. His first message is what? Who remembers that? His first message. The very first things that Jesus, he said, repent and believe. That's what Jesus' very first message was, to repent and believe. Then he, has, he got some disciples. He started healing folks. He started treating all of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, like these Jewish leaders, he's like going savage on these guys, right? And they're trying to debate him. Jesus is shutting it down. All this kind of stuff is happening for what? All of this is happening so that Jesus can die on the cross, be buried in a tomb, and then rise again. We're going to get there. Uh, right now, but I want to speak about the suffering servant. So you might want to ask yourself, what is a suffering servant? So in the Old Testament, who remember what the Old Testament was about? Old Testament. What was the Old Testament about? Old Testament was about God and the who? And the Jews. That's right. God's people. So the Old Testament was about, did you know it? Did you know it? You knew it? Okay. Sophie, okay. Sophie knew it. All right, check it out. The Old Testament, so there's two books of the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament was about God and Israel, God and God's people, okay? The New Testament was going to be about, what do you guys think that's about? So if the Old Testament was the Old Covenant, the New Testament is the, the New Covenant. The New Covenant, that is between Jesus who is God incarnate, remember we discussed that a couple weeks ago or a few weeks ago, and God's people. So Jesus came on the scene, went savage on these Jewish leaders, right? He came, healed a bunch of people, even Jesus' disciples, the people that were following him, not the 12, but the people that were following him, because you got to imagine, and remember this, if you go around, let's say you went to the corner right here, right? You went to the corner, and what happens? You see a person in a wheelchair, you go over there, and you're like, man, I believe in Jesus. I believe I have the power. You go and pray for that person, right? You lay hands, you pray for that person, and that person gets up and starts walking. What do you think people are going to say? What people are going to be like, yo, you got the power, <laughs> right? You got some power in you. You got some authority. You got some healing power. And that person is probably going to want to be with you for a while, right? That's what happened with Jesus. Jesus had a bunch of followers, but he started speaking the truth, and people didn't like that. So they said, hey, man, look, this way, this new kingdom, this, this way of life, 
this is tough, man. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can live this life. And so what happened was they left. A bunch of disciples left. That's what we talked about. And then Jesus asked his disciples what? You going to leave too? Peace. Deuces. I'll let you. Right? But they stayed, right? And so Peter, uh, one of Jesus' disciples, he said he would never leave them. And so as this is where we're at. So let's turn in our Bibles to actually, uh, yeah, so let's turn in our Bibles to Mark chapter 15. And we're going to go through the suffering servant. And so in the Old Testament, there was a prophecy about a suffering servant. Okay? The suffering servant points to Jesus. So the suffering servant is someone who had to die, someone who had to suffer, someone who had to give themselves up for God's people. Give himself up, okay? Check it out. So the suffering servant points to who? Jesus. You guys know that? Okay, so when I ask a question, y'all answer it. Otherwise, I'm going to keep asking questions. <laughs> All right? <laughs> so the suffering service points to who? Awesome. Why is it always this side? The suffering service points to who? Jesus. The suffering servant points to Jesus. So these prophecies point to Jesus. They were fulfilled with Jesus' life, and that's why it points to him. So I'm just going to come here really fast to Mark 15, all right? And so let's go to verse, let's go to Mark 15, verse 16, okay? Let's do that. All right, so we're talking about the suffering servant, and he, while he gets there, why don't you guys turn in your Bibles to Mark 15, verse 16, all right? It says, the soldiers led Jesus away into the palace. That is the praetorium, and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him. Um, actually, hold on. Let's go to verse 15, uh, chapter 15, verse 1, where it talks about Jesus very early in the morning, the chief priests with the elders, the teachers of the law, and the whole Sanhedrin made their plans Mark 15, verse 1. Nope. All right. Uh, made their plan. So they, so they bound Jesus and led him away and handed him over to Pilate. We're t I'm going to read this story really quickly, and we're going to go to the, where the prophecy was at. All right? Listen. So I want, uh, we're doing this. I'll tell you why we're doing this. We're doing this so that you can see what Jesus went through, and then you can see where the prophecy came from. So you can know that Jesus is the Son of God, because some people didn't raise their hands. So check it out. You're going to know that Jesus is the son of God and that the Old Testament prophecy was about a suffering servant and it points to Jesus. So here's what it says. They bound Jesus and led him away. So what happened before this, Peter disowns Jesus, okay? Jesus is being beaten. He's being flogged, right? But check it out. He's going like this. They bound him and led him away and handed him over to Pilate, okay? Are you king of the Jews? Pilate asked. You have said so. Jesus replied, right? Jesus tell him, yo, you said so. The chief priest accused him of many things. So again, Pilate asked him, aren't you going to answer? See how many things they are accusing you of? But Jesus still made no reply, and Pilate was amazed. Now it was custom at the festival to release a prisoner whom the people requested. A man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the uprising. Listen to this. The crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. 
do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? He's talking about Jesus. Knowing it was out of self-interest, the chief priest had handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have Pilate released uh, to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews? Pilate asked. Crucify him, they shouted. Why? Pilate asked. This man has committed no crime. He said, why? What crime has he committed? But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Listen, you know what flogging is? Being flogged? Raise your hand if you know what it is. Flog. Being flogged. Okay. Um, we can, can we put up a picture? of Nope. Okay, so listen. I'll very briefly describe what being flogged is. Being flogged is being whipped. You know what a whip is? Everybody knows what a whip is? A whip. So a whip is this thing. It's a really long, looks like a rope, and it tapers off on the end. So when you go, right? Hit you whip a horse, right? Like that. So they used those, except they had nine of them. And then those whips, it felt, it looks like a rope. It had pieces of glass, shards of metal. So what happened was when they would whip somebody, when they would flog them, the metal and the glass would stick in their skin and their back, and then they'd rip it up so that the flesh would come with it. So it'd tear open. All right? So it's a very small sentence here, but it... But imagine it. Pilate had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Listen to this. The soldiers led Jesus away into a palace that is the praetorium. Uh, we're on 16. And called the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him and twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. And they began to call out to him. You guys, can you imagine that? Having like a crane or what a crown is? Right? A crown. Imagine it's, it's a crown, but it's a crown of thorns. You know what a thorn is? Like a rose bush. The rose has, uh, the stem has thorns in it. Imagine if you braided that up, right? You guys know how to braid? You braid people's hair? All right, bet. <laughs> All right, I was really talking to the ladies, but okay. Um, okay, so yes, you know how to braid, so check it. You braid up a bunch of those stems, and they have thorns in it, and then they put it on Jesus' head. Listen, it says this, they put a purple robe on him, then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. And they began to call out to him, hail the king of the Jews. Again and again, they struck him on the head with a staff and spit on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him, right? And when they had mocked him, they tore off the purple robe and put on and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. Let's stop right there for a second. In your Bibles, just remember everything we just read. In your Bibles, turn to Isaiah 52. All right? Isaiah 52. All right. Isaiah chapter 52. And we're going to read this really fast. But I want you to get the idea of who the suffering servant is and how it points to Jesus. Okay? Isaiah 52. Chapter, uh, chapter 52, verse 13. It says this. Uh, here we are. Chapter, let's go to verse 12. I, even I, am he who comforts you. Who are you that you fear mere mortals, human beings who are but grass, that you forget uh, that... I'm sorry, let me find my place again. That you forget 
the Lord, your maker, who stretches out the heavens and who, and who lays the foundations of the earth. I'm sorry, I'm reading the wrong ch uh, ch uh, chapter here. Let's go to 52 verse 13. That's, that's on me. Check it out. It says this. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being, and his form was marred beyond human likeness. So he will sprinkle many nations, and kings will shut their mouths because of him, for what they were not told they will see, and what they have not heard they will understand. So I want to stop here for a second. And what we're talking about here is a suffering servant and what he must go through for God's people. Okay? This is how it points to Jesus. At this point, we could already kind of see this parallel between the suffering servant and what Jesus went through. But let's continue on to 53. It says this. Who has believed our message? And to, well, let's, let's start at verse. Let's start at verse 3. Uh, at verse 2, he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind. Who was despised and rejected that we just read about? Jesus, right? Listen, it says this. A man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hid their faces, uh, people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we consider him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Here's what this Old Testament prophecy is getting at. It's pointing toward who the Savior would be. This Old Testament prophecy that was written hundreds of years, hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus was born was about Jesus. And so here's what I'm getting at here. Everything that we, that we just discussed was pointing toward Jesus. Does everybody see that? Everybody see the prophecy that we just read in Isaiah and how, we, and how it points to Jesus and his crucifixion? And we're not done reading about that yet. So let's go back to Mark chapter, uh, let's go back to Mark, let's go to chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. And I just want to briefly go over what Jesus who Jesus is, and what he did in the, according to the Gospel of Mark, all right? So I want to talk about how Jesus, he entered Jerusalem because he's the king. He entered Jerusalem uh, like a new David. He's a, from the lineage of the king, from King David. Does everybody know that? Who's, who's Jesus' lineage from? King David. king David, amen. Okay, he's a prophet because he said, well, here's, here's what Jesus said, that Jerusalem will be destroyed. And then they will come under judgment when they rejected him. And then Jerusalem was actually destroyed. Does anybody know when Jerusalem was destroyed? I'll tell you. Go ahead. Yep, go ahead. 
70 AD. Okay. So Job B knows. All right. So Jerusalem was destroyed. So Jesus prophesied that it would be destroyed, and it was. Listen, new law. He was a new lawgiver. He debated the Jewish leaders on the law on, on laws, and he was a new lawgiver. And Jesus was a sacrifice. Think about the Last Supper, which we're going to read about really soon. New covenant. That's what Jesus brought. And not just for Israel, like we talked about in the Old Testament, but for everyone, like we talked about a few weeks ago. So the new covenant was for not only Israel. It wasn't only for Jewish descendants. It was for Gentiles and Jews alike. Okay? That was for everybody. So Jesus was betrayed and killed, and then he was resurrected. All right. So let's go to Mark uh, 14. I'm going to skip ahead here. Mark 14. Okay? We're going to talk about Jesus's, Jesus being the Messiah here. Mark 14. Let's go to verse... All right. In your Bibles, go to verse 61. It says this. But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. Okay? Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Messiah, the the son of the blessed one. See, they were accusing Jesus of blasphemy. They were accusing Jesus of being who he said he was, who he is. He, Jesus said, I am. They asked him, are you, the king? are you the Messiah? I am. So if anybody has ever wondered if Jesus is the Messiah, he is. He said he is. And then they were so upset that Jesus said that, that they killed him for it. They were so upset that Jesus said he was the Messiah that they killed him for it. Think about this. The people that crucified Jesus were not his friends, right? They were his, by all default, his, his enemies. The very people he rejected, I'm sorry, the very people that rejected him, forgive me, the very people that rejected Jesus called him their enemy. Now see, these people were angry because they were getting, uh, really losing a lot of debates, <laughs> okay? They were, they were really prideful because they had gone... They had gone through their, through their lives thinking that they could be saved by their works, thinking that they could be saved uh, uh, by, by something that they were giving to God. See, what you give to God doesn't save you. What you feel doesn't save you. Your feelings aren't going to save you. It is the faith, your belief in Jesus Christ that saves you. It is the grace of God. It is the salvation that God has provided is what saves you. It is not anything that you can do. So let's, let, let me continue on here. Because they accuse Jesus of blasphemy. Who knows what blasphemy is? By, who knows what blasphemy is? AJ. Say it again. 
Okay, that's a lie. That's close. That's part of it, yes. Who else wants to try? Go ahead. Okay, okay, that's a good answer. That's a good answer. So blasphemy is a combination of those two things, all right? <laughs> blasphemy is, is saying that you're God and you're not. Is you telling people that you're God and you're not. Here you go, my brother. That is for, you like a Twix, don't you? All right. <laughs> oh, all right, all right. So check it out. That's what blasphemy is, and they accused Jesus of it. But when Jesus was walking, what did he do? He healed people. He preached the word. He preached his father. He was about his father's business, and he healed people. He was forgiving sin, okay? And so here's what happened. So he was we're at 14, uh, verse 64 here, and it says this. You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? So, he's, so, so here's what the high priests are talking about. They're asking Jesus if he's the Messiah, and he said, I am. I am the Messiah. That's what Jesus said. And he said, and you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. The high priest tore his clothes. He was so mad that he tore his clothes. You, ever, you guys know who Hulk Hogan is? Hulk Hogan? Imagine, that's how I kind of picture that. He's like, like, I can't believe this guy. Do you need more witnesses? He just said blasphemy. And they all condemned him as worthy of death. Then some began to spit on him. Anybody been spit on before? And they blindfolded him and struck him with their fists and said this, prophesy Essentially saying, prophesy which one of us hit you. And so Peter, being the very one that said, hey, I'll never deny you, Jesus. I'll never reject you, Jesus. I'm, I got your back. I'll even die. I got your back, bro. I got you. And so he's saying this. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls and the high priest came by. When they saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him and said, you also were with the Nazarene, Jesus. And guess what Peter did? The very one that was like, bro, I got your back. I ain't going to never leave you. I got you. You know what he said? I don't know or understand what you are talking about. He said and went out into the entryway. Okay, when the servant girl saw him there, guess what? She said again to those standing around, this fellow was one of them. He was one. But he denied it again. After a little while, guess what happened? He denied Jesus again. And so what he did was he denied him before the second time that the rooster would crow. And that was a prophecy that Jesus had told him. He said, man, look, he predicted this. You say that you're going to love me. You say that you want to be for me. You are, you will, you'll be here with me, but you will even deny me, even you. And he did that. And so here's what happened. Jesus went before Pilate, like we just read, right? And they went before him, and they flogged him. Who remembers what flogging is, right? You remember what flogging is? 
with whips. That's right. Who said that? Okay. All right. Okay. All right, Bree. I got you. <laughs> That's what flogging is. Listen. And they came before him and said this, crucify him, crucify him. He just committed blasphemy. His own followers rejected him. His own people that he got by his side ain't even with him no more. Why don't y'all just crucify this man? And so Pilate, being in charge because he was wanting to be a, a, a people pleaser, Pilate wanted to please the crowd. He wanted to please the people around him, so he gave them what they wanted. So here's what happened. The soldiers, I'm in chapter 15, verse 16. The soldiers led Jesus away into the palace, all right? That is the praetorium and called together the whole company of soldiers, and they put a purple robe on him. They twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him, and they began to call out to him. And mocking in a mocking way, right? Hail, king of the Jews, right? Again and again, they struck him on the head with a staff and spit on him, falling on their knees. They paid homage to him. Imagine this. They're mocking him. Imagine you walking down the street and somebody's mocking you. They're looking at you. And you're walking down the street while people are, while a crowd of people are hitting you and spitting on you, kicking you, hitting you with a, with a stick in the head. Here's what happened. They took off his purple robe because who knows what purple meant if you had a purple robe on. Purple is the color of what? Royalty. Okay, amen. Good. And so they put his regular clothes on. Verse 21, a certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in front of the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Then, at, then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he didn't take it, and they crucified him. So Jesus was carrying his cross on his way to be crucified. That's like a man digging his own grave. Right? It's like you got the shovel in your hand. You just, I'm about to lay down in here. The man carried his own cross. So, and they crucified him. And then they divided up his clothes and they cast lots. Cast lots means they, they basically uh, drew straws, right? They, they, were gambled, they gambled to see who would take his clothes. I love how specific the Bible is here. The Bible says in verse 20, 25, it was nine in the morning. The Bible gets very specific. It was nine o'clock in the morning. When they crucified him. Go to 27. It says they crucified two rebels with him, one on the right and one on the left. Those who passed, they hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. Come down, Jesus. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this king of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults. Here's what I'm saying. 
seeing Jesus heal people wasn't good enough for them. Seeing Jesus heal a blind man wasn't good enough for them. Let me continue. But everything that Jesus predicted, everything that Jesus said actually came true. It said this, at noon, darkness came over the whole land. So how many hours was Jesus there? It was at nine in the morning. Go ahead, you can say it. Three hours. He hung on a cross for three hours. Check it out. And more than that. But here's where we're at here in verse 33. It was three hours. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. So now how long had it been? So from nine to three in the afternoon. Amen. Yes. Go ahead. Go ahead. Six hours. Man, there you go. Come on, Sophie. Good job. He was there for six hours at this point. Imagine that. Jesus being there hung after being beaten and his flesh torn, spit upon, rocks thrown at him, beaten in the face, put a crown of thorns on his head. All for you. All of this happened with you in mind. All of this transpired so that you would not have to face the penalty of your sin. So you wouldn't have to spend an eternity in hell. So that you could be saved from your damnation. So that you can be not condemned anymore so that how can I put this Jesus died on the cross so that you could live with a loud cry in verse 37 Jesus breathed his last the curtain of the temple was torn from top in two from top to bottom and when the centurion who stood in there in the front of Jesus saw how he died guess what he said Surely this man was the son of God. A soldier who was partly responsible for killing Jesus and crucifying him on the cross looked at him and said, he had to be the, he had to be the son of God. What he said was true. But, they didn't, but this is not the end of it, okay? It's not the end because this is where we get power. Go to verse uh, 42. It says, it was preparation day, that is the day before the Sabbath. So as evening approached, Joseph from Arimathea, uh, a prominent member of the council who was himself waiting, on the kingdom, waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. When he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. Here's why this is important. Because Jesus... Here, the centurion, the man who was responsible partly for crucifying Jesus, in the end said, surely this was the son of God, is now handing over the body. He witnessed this. He was a witness of what happened. When the, he had learned the centurion, in verse 45, from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. So Joseph bought some linen cloth 
took down the body, wrapped it in linen, and placed it in a tomb cut out of rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. I'm going to go over this really quickly. So Jesus, at this point, preached, repent and believe, healed, made disciples, new kingdom, new covenant for you, was led, beaten, and, and, and bruised, pierced for our transgressions, and was buried in the tomb. He was crucified and was buried in the tomb. Here's what it says after this, verse 16. I'm sorry, chapter 16, forgive me. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, the Salome, uh, the Salome brought, uh, bought spice so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the, next, on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? It was a large stone. And one gospel says it was a very large stone, actually. It wasn't just large. And it says this. Who's going to roll it away? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been what? Rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. So in some, so there in this manuscript, so, that, so here's the end of Mark, all right? This is the end of Mark. And in some manuscripts, you will see it italicized afterwards, uh, what, we, what we consider the Great Commission. Um, and so, but here's where it says this, and I, I'm not sure if it's going to be here or not, but it says this. When Jesus rose early on the first day, or let me go back over here, yeah. When Jesus rose early on the first day, he appeared first to Mary, Mag, uh, Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had risen, who had driven seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him and were, who were mourning and weeping when they heard that Jesus was alive. And she said... Uh, she had seen him. They did not believe it. Afterwards, Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them. And while they were walking in the country, these returned and reported it to the rest. So now they started telling everybody that Jesus had risen. Okay. Listen, later Jesus appeared to the 11 as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And this is what he said to them. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. My friends, listen. This is a very stern. These are very stern words here. Very stern words coming from this Jesus who died for you and for me. See, the pain that Jesus felt, there is, uh, here's what I want to tell you. The pain that you might feel, 
Jesus died for. Let me, let me, let me elaborate a little bit on that. See, sometimes in this life, you go through things. Who's, who's going, who, who has gone through a tough situation in their life, right? Any, everybody, right? I mean, we've all, we've all been there. But how Jesus died on the cross and then rose. See, Jesus died for that tough situation so that you can come out of it. Jesus died for any sorrow that you might feel. See, Jesus died for any pain that you might feel. Do you have any pain in your life today? Jesus died for that. Do you have any sorrow in your life? Do you have any anguish in your heart, any bitterness in your heart? See, Jesus, he died for that. He also died for any sickness. Any type of sin, anything that you're connected to in this world that's, your, that's worldly, see, Jesus died for those things. So why would you go back to those things? Let me elaborate. If Jesus died for your anger, why would you go back to the same anger? If Jesus died for your depression, why would you continue to live within this state? If Jesus died so that you won't have to be sick anymore, why would you go back to this type of sickness or this jealousy or this anger, this bitterness? Why would you go back to that? See, Jesus died on the cross so that you would, you would overcome that. You can overcome sickness. You can overcome anger. You can overcome lust and bitterness. Listen, why are you responding to Jesus' death with rejection, because that's what's happening. You going back to lust is you telling Jesus your death on the cross is not bigger than these feelings I have. Instead, it's kind of like you de you're denying Jesus. You are, you are in, in essence, rejecting Jesus like Peter did. Even though like Peter, even though, like Peter, you have Jesus. So, like Peter, you have Jesus, but you're rejecting Jesus just like Peter did. You, here's what I, okay, let's, let's say it this way. And we, let's all stand up, because I'm about to close here. And let's have some altar workers, and let's, let's, put, some, um, let's put some music on, fellas, in the back, if we can. If not, I understand. Listen. Here's, here's what I want to end at. Like Peter, you have Jesus walking with you. But like Peter, if you choose sin, if you choose sin, you're rejecting Jesus. Like Peter rejected Jesus. Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes. We're going to do this a little bit differently. Let's everybody close your eyes, bow your head. We're going to make this personal right now. We're going to make it personal.
if you have any unrepentant sin, I'm going to cut straight to the chase here. I'm going to cut straight to the chase, just like Mark did in his gospel. If you have any unrepentant sin in your heart, all eyes closed, head bowed, okay? All eyes closed and heads bowed. So no, you, nobody's looking at you. Nobody's paying attention to what you're doing. Nobody's bothering to look at you. Just like Peter denied Jesus, will you keep denying Jesus? Will you keep denying Jesus? Or will you have a repentant heart? So here's what I want to say. All, all eyes closed and heads bowed. Nobody's looking at you. I want to just, this is between you and God. If you have any unrepentant sin, that means sin that you did not repent of, sin that you did not ask God forgiveness of. Raise your hand. Nobody's looking at you. Raise your hand if you have any, amen, if you have any unrepentant sin, sin that you did not repent of, lust, lust in your heart. Raise your hand. If you have denied Jesus, oh Lord, if you have denied Jesus a part of your life, which means he is not Lord over every part of your life, all eyes closed and head bowed. If you have denied Jesus, raise your hand. Amen. Here's what I want to tell you. All eyes closed, head bowed. If you took a stand and you raised your hand, will you have the same boldness to come and get prayer? If you're dealing with anger, come and get prayer. If you choose anger, Instead of Jesus, you're denying what Jesus did. You are denying the power that you have, that he gives. I'll say a prayer of dismissal. If you want prayer, come up and get prayer from any of the prayer workers here. Uh, now, if you want prayer, come up here now at this moment. Come up here now if you want prayer. All right. I'll say a prayer of dismissal. God, we give you all the glory, God. Thank you, God, for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross, God, for wretched sinners like who I used to be, God. I thank you, God, for sending your son to be beaten and bruised, God, to be battered, to be pierced and whipped, to be spat on for me, God, for me. God, I thank you that you sent your son 
And I thank you, God, that he rose from the dead as he promised, God. And I thank you that he's with us today, God, as he promised that he would be with us to the very end of the age. Jesus. I pray that your word is felt in every heart of every youth tonight. I pray that they would not go home the same, God. I pray that they would understand. And because they have ears, God, I pray that they would hear your word, God, so that their faith can grow, so that their lives can be changed, so that their hearts would not be the same anymore. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.